Thanks for tuning in. I'm Becca Grebe, and today I'm chatting with Chris, VP of Construction at Jackman Construction. As some of you may know, Dirt Stories is a podcast produced by Dozer, a construction tech company headquartered in Kitchener, Ontario. We first heard about Jackman Construction because there's a new building going up in downtown Kitchener and Jackman is the contractor on the project. What caught our interest in this building was that it was being built completely out of wood. The support beams, floors, ceilings, not a steel beam in sight. We've talked a lot about green construction trends and sustainability in the industry. Cross-laminated timber and wooden buildings are one of these growing trends that seem to be making headlines lately. I'm excited to chat with a company that is embracing this new sustainable trend about how building with wood is different from using traditional materials and why sustainability is important in the industry. Let's dive in. Hi, Chris. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to hear your dirt story. Yes, thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, let's let's dive right in. Sure. So I've been following your projects and your company a little bit, but I would love for you to kick us off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at Jackman. Okay, yeah, I am vice president of the ICI sector for Jackman. Jackman is split into a few divisions uh, that are all separate entities, actually. There's a drywall company, a renovation company, and the ICI company. So I supervise the team of managers for the ICI division, and I've been here for about five years. Okay. And so what's involved in your role on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Well, being a small company, I'm still actively project managing always one or two projects. And at the same time, reviewing strategies on each of the projects on how we're going to interact with the clients and the consultants and reviewing progress draws, change orders, meeting minutes, Uh, attending some of the meetings for the other projects. Just a a general, I wouldn't say oversight, but collaboration with the project managers on my team to ensure that we're presenting our clients with information in the way that that we would like to. Right. And you're primarily located in Kitchener, Ontario, and most of your projects are as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. We've done a couple projects in Waterloo, a couple projects in Cambridge, couple in Guelph, but definitely 90% plus in Kitchener. Yeah. Nice. Great. So tell me a little bit about how you got your start in the construction industry. I'm always curious how people get started. Sure. I grew up uh, in a family where my dad was always doing construction stuff and he ended up owning his own company for concrete repairs and epoxy coatings called Oakloft. Um, it was with, uh, someone else from Stonehard. Uh, so they were with Stonehard. They started their own Oakloft. Um, it's no longer an entity under that name. So I was on the tools at a young age, uh, probably first trips to job sites were like at age 12, 13, um, learned to use hand tools. So a lot of grinding concrete, uh, pale mixing of epoxies and aggregates and 
a lot of troweling. And then when I was done high school and had been doing that for my summers for a while, um, I, I continued on the tools and then about age 23 decided to go back to college to do the construction engineering technology program at Fanshawe. Oh, very uh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of had been on the tools for a long time and, and started doing some supervision of the epoxy coatings crews. But when we were on the big sites and seeing the owners meeting with the project managers, I guess that was what really motivated me. It's thinking, Hey, I, I'd like to be one of the guys in the golf shirt planning these things rather than in the <laughs> implementing them. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So, and you started at Jackman when? I started at Jackman in 2015. Uh, I've known the owner, Eric Jackman, since, uh, well, since we were about 15 years old. Nice. And yeah, and, and we've been talking about, about joining up for a few years before I came on board. I had graduated from Fanshawe and I was with uh, a general contractor in the water, wastewater industry and out of the GTA called Romag. So I was on big projects, big government projects. Uh, and when I was eventually sick of the commute, Eric convinced me to come on board with Jackman. That's great. And now you're yeah. celebrating 10 years as a company I hear. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. amazing. Has, has there been anything significant that stood out to you over the last, um, I guess, five and a bit years since you've been there? Yeah, I think we really got uh, our launch pad was when we won the tender to construct Thalmic Labs facility in Waterloo. Uh, they're now North Focals, who just this morning it was announced uh, they've been purchased by Google slash Alphabet. Yeah. So, yeah, they were one of the leading tech companies in the region for a while. And uh, we got to do their big industrial renovation to their production facility in Waterloo. That was uh, three and a half years ago. We are doing multiple phases of work with Thalmic now North. And yeah, that was really the launch pad to doing a bunch of big tech fit outs. Um, and then from there, just gaining trust with the clients and showing that we could competently manage uh, big sums of money. Then we branched out into these new builds that we're doing now. That's great. I want to talk a little bit about, I'm going to come back to, to your new building in Kitchener, but I want to talk a little bit about sustainable construction. Is that part of Jackman's kind of overall mission or is it just so happened to be some of the projects you're taking on linked back to sustainable construction? Uh, definitely there's an interest and I guess a, a personal motivation for myself and for Eric uh, to, to keep it on the radar. It's not part of Jackman's mission statement as a company, um, but we do both enjoy reading about the new technology and implementing it where we can. Um, I, I think we've just been lucky to end up on jobs where it's being implemented. I think that a lot of sustainable trends are not yet financially feasible for the project owners. So having an interest in it and, and even putting in the mission statement is one thing, but really it's the owners of the projects that have to pull the trigger on trying new things and sometimes spending extra money to try those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. What sort of sustainable trends are you seeing that you find most interesting? Well, definitely the mass timber. Um, so the, the one that we're working on that we're going to get to is, uh, 
is the first in the region. There's another one planned in the region um, that Edge Architect is working on. And the owner of the one we're working on is, is planning some more of them. So I think mass timber is probably the biggest growing trend in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the energy modeling is one that was implemented uh, somewhat recently, I guess, this millennium in, in 2012 and the SB10 energy codes um, that have, are now just common practice that have filtered through. Um, but I, th- I think wood is definitely the leading trend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a good segue. Let's just jump right in. So we, so Dozer, uh, we first learned about Jackman after seeing, um, you know, signs popping up all over downtown Kitchener where our headquarters is about, you know, this new building going up and it immediately caught our attention because the, you know, the primary material being used is wood. And I know for me personally, it's the first time I've ever seen a building constructed completely out of wood you know the all the main resources you'd normally use are now wood so can you tell me a little bit about that project in general the purpose of using wood maybe what makes a difference just give our listeners a little bit of insight into this project yeah for sure so out west in bc and in europe uh they're they're a little bit ahead of where we're at in ontario so they're doing taller projects that are all wood construction and like all wood construction. I mean by that elevator cores and stair cores as well. Ontario. Yeah. Ontario building code isn't there yet. So uh, while the intention was to go a wood core for the elevator and the stairs at one young, it was not allowed by the municipality due to the the codes and the testing performed in Ontario to date. So yeah, one young we've got, concrete cores uh, that marry into the rest of the structure. So the concrete cores in, in plain view of the job, it's only about know, five to 10% of the floor area. And then everything else is mass timber. So that's the columns, the beams, and even the floor assemblies themselves. They're NLT, which is nail laminated timber. Essentially it's a bunch of two by tens stacked on their short edge and nailed together and then capped off with plywood to create these big panels that are similar in function to precast concrete slabs, whereby they get hoisted in their horizontal position from a crane and then landed down onto the wood beams themselves. Wow, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, so we, when we came onto the project, it was engineered as cast in place concrete cores and that was going to be fine uh, for the connections that were known at that time. The structural engineers were assuming, you know, the wood beams are going to connect to the concrete cores. So we've got a certain number, dozens of timber to concrete connections to account for. And then once the timber engineering got further along, it was discovered uh, that the NLT, everywhere the NLT connects to the cores, there's a ledger board to carry it. There are diaphragm connections because the concrete and the wood expand and contract at different rates and the the buildings all have a little bit of movement to them. So we went from dozens of connection points to hundreds of connection points, at which point uh, we made the decision to call an audible and switch to precast concrete panels for the cores. So once we were done with the foundation, it was an assembly system of all pre-manufactured components 
and we bounce back and forth from precast cores on the first floor to timber structure of the first floor, then precast cores on the second floor, timber structure on the second floor, okay. and bounce back and forth to get to the top. So that's super interesting. So masked, masked timber, I just want to talk about that for a sec. Why, why use this for a building? Where, what's the purpose and, and what, how does scoping out a project like that differ from a, a traditional building structure? Well, I would say first and foremost is the aesthetics and the warmth of standing in a wood building versus standing in a concrete and steel building. Mm -hmm. um, the, the ceilings are all remain exposed because those NLT assemblies that I've described achieve your fire rating and your structural component. So when we put in these wood columns and beams, that is the architectural finish. Obviously you still have some, some sprinklers to run and some duct work some plumbing to run for all intents and purposes you put in the superstructure and now you also have your architectural finish of those components so that's also a big advantage cost wise and schedule wise because now you're not adding drywall ceilings fire spray and drywall around the steel beams and columns um, so there's a lot of construction sequence events that get removed from the project as well as their costs but if you were to isolate concrete and steel versus timber without accounting for those later sequencing events, the, the wood is actually more on the face of it. But once you do the analysis that accounts for the, the fire protection and the finishes on the concrete and the steel building, then wood is more comparable or even a cost advantage at that time. Right. So what are some of the concerns? I'm thinking like fire hazards when you're using that much wood are there mm -hmm. extra steps and precautions that you have to take in terms of safety? No, not really. Um, because everyone, when you think of wood, like you, you picture a campfire mm -hmm. and or a building on fire of, of traditional framing, like a house where the wood is all separated by air voids, which is what gives it its good burning properties. Mass timber of CLT, cross laminated timber, or NLT, the nail laminated timber, and then the glue lamb columns and beams, uh, they don't have those air voids. So you don't actually get a burn. What you get is a char from exposure to heat. Okay. And yeah, so it's the, it's the slow char rate of mass timber that, that allows it to be built with because it, it doesn't just light up like a campfire. You're like a house for that matter. Uh, it chars slowly and they have some testing on that in Europe and in BC that that's accepted now. Um, not quite there yet in Ontario, but it is a little bit because on this project, obviously all the building components go through a shop drawing process with the architect and the engineers. And we had those shop drawings completed for the timber system before Christmas of last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. The engineers weren't able to release them back to us until January of this year because the Ontario Building Code didn't recognize that charring of the NLT testing until January of this year. So it was actually, the project started and was well underway before the OBC recognized the testing to allow us to build with the NLT, but everyone knew it was coming. So we were able to take that step. Right. So aside from 
from Ontario, I guess the building code regulations, what are some of the main challenges that you faced with this building in Kitchener? Definitely the challenges were sorting the logistics of the components going together and, and the site itself is quite tight. We've taken over Young Street, so we, we have two lanes of road between the building and our fence and no tower crane to work with. Uh, so it's all mobile cranes lifting these components into site. And once we got up past the fourth floor, those were quite big mobile cranes. Yeah. So there was a lot of in and out of, of cranes and transport trucks delivering the precast pieces and then assembling them and then delivering the wood pieces and assembling them. So logistics was, was a big hurdle and there were a lot of coordination meetings with the precast and the timber suppliers. Um, and then I would say the, the novelty of the engineering for Ontario PNGs and Ontario architects, uh, because it is new, um, there were some unexpected hurdles to uh, identify how we we're achieving our fire rating at certain components. And then engineering wise, uh, how we were connecting the timber to the concrete components. Uh, those were two big hurdles that involved a lot of meetings as well. Mm -hmm. I think that that's so interesting. I can't, I can't wait to check out the building. That's just super cool. It's, it's not yeah. something you see very often. Yeah. So currently today's June 26th. Um, we've got, the Young Street side, the, gra the ground level glass is done all the way around. On the Young Street side, we have the frick glass going in, which I'm not sure if you're aware of that on this project. Uh, another oh. special component is that the glass is fritted, which is kind of considered like a new age stained glass almost. And on levels two to four is a historically accurate representation of the Mayfair Hotel that used to sit on this site. Wow, that's super cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. And it's in a, it's in a translucent um, type of opacity. So depending on where you're standing and how much light there is outside versus inside the building, uh, it's, it's a ghosted image of the Mayfair that you can, you can see through to wow. the components behind it. Oh, that's super cool. I can't wait to see photos of this. Yeah, oh, it's looking great. It nice. Really yeah. So let's talk a little bit about sustainability and construction. I know we touched on it earlier. I want to talk about the, what it means for the industry. You know, we've been reading a lot about sustainable construction trends and practices, and even this building that you guys are, are working on right now. Um, what does it mean for the industry? Is, is there a shift that we're, we're starting to see and can expect over the next couple decades? What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think there definitely is a shift. I think it's going to be slower than people who are sustainably minded would like to see. Um, definitely the technology is all there to, to put up like zero footprint buildings and, and lead platinum certified buildings. The, the problem is that a lot of the technology and the testing is so new that the red tape that you have to get through to get these things approved and widely recognized on the testing side and then expanding its reach market wise so that the costs can start to come down. Those are really the two big hurdles that I, I know a lot of people think of the industry and be like, well, the technology is there. Why are, 
why are we still doing it in these old ways that leave massive carbon footprints and we have these big concrete plants that are that are adding CO emissions when we could just be using wood from a sustainable forest that regenerates every X number of years. But there is a cost to these new technologies and the developers that are creating these projects, designing them sometimes out of passion, but more often just pragmatically for economics um, until these things slowly reach bigger markets and the costs come down, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be a trickle effect for sure. Right. I'm thinking about all the different roles that are involved in these projects. Is there a particular, you know, individual or team involved in sustainability related projects that kind of owns that piece and owns pushing the sustainability forward? Yeah, there, I guess, I guess that I would say that's on the consultants and the developer um, mm-hmm. to identify like, so from the developer's perspective, I think they're, they need to look at it. Let's say it's a commercial building of office space is, you know, what type of tenant am I looking for in here? Is, is the tenant going to care if it's a lead platinum building or not? I mean, there are certain industries uh, that are more progressive than others. Like certainly the technology industry in KW would be more interested in that than uh, a manufacturing facility that's, that's making rubber tires or something. So the the developer is considering their end user and, you know, is there going to be a marketing advantage to me spending an extra 10% to get this building lead platinum certified um, or am I going to be spending that extra 10% to, to reduce the profitability of my project? And, and, and really that, I think that's what it's coming down to that the owners wanting to do it. And the architects have a big role to play in that by helping the owners find ways to build sustainably without adding big percentages to the cost of the project. Right. So I'm thinking about our listeners tuning into this podcast. It ranges quite a bit from operators, construction workers, tech enthusiasts to business owners. I'm curious some of the common questions or concerns that you encounter when it comes to sustainable building practices. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, Like concerns from the public or from the ownership team? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say either. Okay. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, I'd say they're, they're very different. Um, and, and I think they're all, it all boils down to the individuals. I guess it's hard. It's hard to generalize. We got guys on our staff um, who working at one young are very excited about the fact that they are on a green building uh, that came from sustainable resources that has less of a footprint than others. Um, and I classify them as a construction worker. And then there are other construction workers that are, are just there to, to collect their paycheck and they're driving home in, in the, their big SUVs that have modified exhaust that actually increases the, the carbon output of their vehicle. So the, I guess, I guess the common question from owners is what is it going to cost to implement your green idea? 
unless they came from a progressive passion to just, you know, cost aside, I'm going to build the greenest building in Kitchener. Most recently, there's a, there's a home builder in the area, uh, Dan Sinclair, and on Margaret Ave in Waterloo, just on the Kitchener-Waterloo border, he built uh, two zero footprint new homes. And that's, that's something quite new and I'm sure it cost him more money to do so, but you can tell by the appearance from the outside of the homes and the fact that there's zero footprint that Dan kind of set those concerns of cost aside and said, you know, I'm gonna build the region's first two zero footprint homes. And he decided to do that probably at a cost to him. So I think, uh, I think it all boils down to the individual. I think it's hard to, to generalize by, by classification. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, it is. And I think the public, like it, it's, it's over the past decades, it's, it's been more and more at the front of the public's mind um, with all the talk about uh, global warming um, that the public is, is more interested in it than the people who are looking at the accounting of the projects. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What, what do you think the future of construction looks like? That's a big, a big question. But if you had to make some predictions, what would you say the future holds? I think the future is, is definitely in sustainability because um, the economic discussion aside, there is a finite number of resources available to us on the planet unless we harvest them in a sustainable way. So I think uh, we're gonna see a lot more timber, um, a lot more insulation that's made with natural products uh, like hemp insulation boards. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot more geothermal technology mm-hmm. where people are using the, the landscape and, and the ground that they're constructing in to help heat and cool the buildings. Uh, the future is definitely green, I think that getting it to over 50% of the market being green uh, is going to feel like a real slow burn to the public who it's now at the front of the conversation. And, uh, and I think people are going to be probably disappointed with how long it takes, but it definitely has to head in that direction mm-hmm. to be able to yeah. renew those resources. Right. I think yeah. green trends are, environmental friendly trends are emerging across every industry. And I think the challenges for construction are, are a little bit bigger and, and just exactly what you said, it's going to take just a little bit longer to get there. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge industry and it's a good analogy, the, the ship analogy. So the construction industry is, is a big ship that's on its current general course in a big body of water. Uh, it's a huge ship. It's heavy. Um, it's got a lot of momentum in one direction. It to change its course is going to take a lot of energy and a lot of time to get out in front of it and deflect it in a green direction. Mm-hmm. Is there anything coming up uh, with Jackman that our listeners can look out for or look to hear more about? Yeah, for sure. We've got uh, some some exciting projects underway. So there's. Uh, a new food processing facility that we're putting up in Cambridge right now, a hundred thousand square feet. Ooh. And yeah, the architecture of the office portion of that building is, is really cutting edge. Uh, it's, it's going to be one of the nicest looking buildings in the area for sure. 
um, nice. picture picture a twisted Rubik's cube kind of. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and the the uh, ownership at at One Young. Um, I won't go into too many details, but I'll, I will say there's there's more timber in the planning stage, and uh, and it it's exciting sites in Kitchener Waterloo, and then down into Cambridge there is an old industrial site uh, adjacent to a river that uh, we're in pre-construction for. Um, they're in site plan phase and it's going to transform uh, a sizable acreage of Cambridge along the river from industrial to really cutting edge mixed use with uh, using the river for access for by canoe. There's going to be a new bridge built over the river um, yeah, Hespler has some exciting things coming for sure. Nice. It's cool. Yeah. I, I grew up in Kitchener Waterloo and it's cool to see how much the city is growing and evolving and, and we're getting some pretty cool buildings and some, some really interesting projects coming up. It's exciting to see. Yeah. And it's accelerating it. And when people visit Kitchener for the first time in a number of years, they, they really can't believe how much it's come along. I mean, our site's near DTK condo building and it's going oh, yeah. up 39 stories. Uh, so that's going to just be a massive building and, and that trend will continue. But yeah, yeah. When I drive through downtown and see all the tower cranes to this day, it blows my mind. Yeah. It's a different city now. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad you could join us today. I think sustainability is such a big topic and it's, it's so cool to hear about that project in Kitchener. I feel like for the last decade, I've been reading about these emerging sustainability projects in different parts of the world. And the fact that it's actually coming very close to, to home for Dozer, close to our headquarters in Kitchener is, is really awesome. It shows that we're kind of, you know, we're, we're hopping on that curve of sustainability and we're contributing to, to what the future looks like. It's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think it's going to continue. And if we just hang in there, it'll, uh, it'll accelerate in the coming decades for sure. Mm -hmm. So before we say goodbye, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I guess uh, I would say uh, to, to young professionals that are just starting in construction. Uh, some I've noticed recently from people in our company and other companies who are applying with us, I would say uh, to, to just stay patient with your careers and, and trust that building good relationships and patience will pay off. I, I see a lot of people that seem to be in a rush to get from point A to point B, whatever they're defining point B as in their career, uh, rather than just trusting the process of getting there and, and trusting that hard work will pay off. I would say just, just always have faith that hard work pays off in one way or another and, and don't rush the process. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic advice. I couldn't think of a, a better way to end it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> great. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. It was okay. an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you'd like to read more about sustainability and green trends in the industry, check out the Dozer Hub at dozer.com blog. 
Follow us on Instagram at DozerHub for the latest news in the industry and follow our blogs and podcasts through the Dirt Stories hashtag on social media. Want to be featured on the podcast? Contact us via social media or at dozer.com slash blog if you or someone you know has a dirt story to share. Today's episode was sponsored and produced by Dozer, the world's first online equipment rental experience. Visit dozer.com for details. Once again, I'm Becca Grebe, and I'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of Dirt Stories.